You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I am Brandon. A.K.A. DJ Roboto. Thank you. (laughs) I do not feel love. (laughs) And welcome to another episode of Nostalgia Bedamned, the show where we... (laughs) I can't get up to this fantastic Nostalgia Bedamned. Nostalgia Be Damned is the show where we take some of your favorite movies from the 1990s and the early 2000s and we grind them up into a soil and then we plant this tree and we nurture this tree and you're very proud of the tree because it's your tree as well. And then we chop it down. What? We chop it down and we use it for kindling. Okay, well, I mean, at least it's getting used for something, Zachariah. Oh, no, but it's there's no reason. This is an unsanctioned burn. We don't have a permit. Oh, so the fire department's coming to say it. Yeah, they're going to put it out. I mean, this is a waste of a tree. Yeah, I mean, it's a waste of podcast time, too. So we do that, and today we are tackling a movie that I really enjoyed as a kid. I don't know about you. Well, it's uh, the first time we're breaking into 2000s. Yes. This is uh, Y2K. <laughs> Thankfully, it didn't happen, so we get... So close, dude, though. Yeah, exactly. So close, man. 2000s animated sci-fi action adventure, Titan A.E. Titan After Earth, a movie that I believe on the cover uh, said that it was just like Star Wars. This is the one Star Wars fans have been waiting for. My God, besides uh, more Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, this is right after Phantom Menace, too. 2099 was Phantom Menace. So, Zach, you were saying, I mean, you were huge. We're both Star Wars fans. Yeah. What was uh, your history with this film? So Titan AE was a movie that I can't remember if I saw it in theaters or not. It was uh, too long ago. It's a movie that I've seen multiple times because it's a movie that I would just go back and always rent because the concept of it, I've always interested in this idea of almost a post-apocalypse. Yeah. Like, you know, how does society move on uh, after Earth? Yeah. I mean, you can't get any more post-apocalyptic than blowing up the goddamn Earth. Literally, the planet blows up. So it had that draw to me. It had that space draw to me. Um, I like any opportunity where you're allowing a writer to sort of world build. Sure. And this had a little bit in it. Yeah. Um, not as much as I remember, but that was the draw for me. And it's it's a movie that I remember always going back to because I just thought it was a cool concept. Speaking of Phantom Menace, I remember this is the exact same way I felt about watching Titan AE back in the day. Even though I was so super excited, I loved the trailers and I couldn't wait to see these both of those movies because I was a huge sci-fi fan. But for some reason, even as a kid, I was a little just underwhelmed. They didn't excite me or wow me as much as they did. However, I continued to keep rewatching them and rewatching them. And now, have I haven't seen Titan E, dude, in years. Years. I, I was gonna say it's. I I think I do remember kind of catching it on TV once and staying yep. on it. it. Was like halfway through. Um, probably on FX. Yeah, probably on FX. Actually, I'm sure it was on FX. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but it since the last time I really sat down to watch the movie. It has been years and years and years, and uh, I kind of had that same sort of feeling that you had as a kid was I'm just, it's underwhelming now. 
For sure. I mean, I, what's interesting is this was kind of revolutionary uh, with the animation because it combines 2D mm-hmm. and 3D to varying mixed results. Yeah. Uh, this was a huge failure. This cost $75 million to make. Originally, it was pitched as a live-action film, and they wanted to do a whole series, which could have been kind of cool. Like, I kind of like that idea. I'd have been into that. But it only wound up making $22 million here in the U.S. Yeah, yeah it was a big box office disappointment. In fact, it was so bad that this movie actually closed 20th Century Fox's animation studios. <laughs> and so they now uh, work with uh, Blue Sky, you know, so they did Ice yeah. Age and Robots and those, all them goddamn movies, Rio, and they're well, still doing animated films now, but they have not done, I think, a 2D animated film since 2000's Titan AE. Well, so I'm not a big, uh, I, I don't know anything about animation, really, but what do you think of the animation in this? Well, so let's get into Don Bluth. Yeah. He's the guy who directed this. Actually, it was directed by three people, Don Bluth, Gary Oldman, not who you're thinking, and uh, Art <laughs> Vitello. Those two other guys don't even have pictures on IMDb, so they're fucking nothing. Right. Uh, Bluth, though, he directed a bunch of films that I think were uh, really impactful to kids who grew up in the 80s and 90s. He, he did The Secret of Nim, An American Tale, which Feifel Goes West could be a stay tuned. Oh, my God. Uh, the Land Before Time, Thumbelina, Anastasia, and all of those films have very similar animation. Yeah, I remember when we were watching it, I thought that Anastasia and this movie drew a lot of similarities in terms of just animation. Yeah. Um, So there's definitely sort of a trademark there. It's okay. That's the thing. It's very, like, so the the character animation itself, while there are some cool designs for spaceships and some of the alien creatures are kind of cool, for the most part, it's really basic. Really basic 2D animation on top of a lot of, like, 3D generated uh, scapes like backgrounds and whatnot and it's just sometimes it works sometimes it's really jarring and bad looking yeah Um, but for the most part the animation wasn't too bad I guess a lot of the the dialogue seemed off from the lips, and I don't know if that was the yeah. DVD dub, um, which, by the way, p- popping in this DVD, uh, I was transported right back to the past of when DVDs first started coming out, because this is 20th Century yeah, Fox, is... one of their first line of DVDs ever to be created in yeah. 2000. They had that Fox DVD video where it was like, they come with commentaries and special <laughs> features. Find out how movies get made. <laughs> oh, God, you gotta love what we thought was that was awesome the best dude do you then. remember those old commercials it was like you wouldn't steal a car and it was all like an anti-piracy commercial. yeah i remember that you wouldn't steal a human being i i mean you wouldn't assassinate <laughs> it just keeps going up in the intensity but anyway titan ae it's got a 6.6 on imdb and a 51 percent on rotten tomatoes not not terrible scores actually at all it's actually higher than i would have thought higher than most of the scores that we've done so far yeah so this starts off in 3028, okay? And I actually kind of appreciate that because a lot of these sci-fi movies, they only get to like 2020 and it's like, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're not going to get there. Yeah, like really? <laughs> like, was... Even in 2000, you knew we weren't going to be on that level. Exactly, exactly. And so re-watching this, I actually thought the movie had something to do with like the Earth was dying. I thought that there was some sort of like event happening on Earth that was causing them to leave, but it really is just this alien invasion or this yeah. in- in- impending attack. Well, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Earth like look like it's crumbling? Yeah, well, like, it, just it looks, looks like, like it's like, falling apart. Yeah, it's it looks, orange. The sky is yep. like really weird. Yeah, a lot of dirt, not a lot of grass. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that is just like a you know, where the state of humanity was at that point. But you're right. There's no natural causes to it. It's the fact that there are aliens. Yeah. Um, the dredge. The dredge. Who which are, are like these, the only aliens that we're introduced to who aren't really like 
carbon bodies. Yeah, they're they're like, like some sort of electric robotic, but like also yeah, energy s- matter. Some, I have like no idea. Some sort of synthetic being. It, it's it's really weird. And this is where the three D animation comes in because uh, they're. I think they're the only things besides maybe the spaceship. Yeah, and a few backgrounds. A few, I think they're the only few things other things. I think they're the CG. only characters that are. Yep. CG. And they um, look kind of cool. I like their design, and I like their ship's design kind of, too. You know, back then, that was definitely something new. I remember being a little, I wouldn't say scared, but a little, uh... Would you pee-pee your pants on the couch? Mom, there are some blue aliens on the screen. I don't know what to do. I don't know why you are why you have that accent in my flashback to your childhood, but... So I that's like the end that. of nostalgia. Yeah, it's been <laughs> a good Zach, run. Can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> um, so we're, we're thrust into this like uh, evacuation of Earth. We meet young Kale Tucker, um, who's eventually going to be voiced by Maddie Dame. Oh my and, God. And uh, he is, you know, just living life. He's got some weird, what's this God, what is this thing that he's floating around in this goddamn river that later really has no purpose? I guess it's just a toy or an invention he's working on. Yeah, I don't know. It, I think it's just meant to, to, to show that he is like his father and invents stuff and whatnot yeah, he's handy and yeah. he's you know got some sort of intelligence but does he have the motivation brandon exactly does he have the motivation so what i'm wondering what i think is the earth must be on its way out because there's they've been building the, this project titan there's this whole um idea of this backup plan essentially like in case they yeah. need to start a new plan so something must have triggered this i guess unless they knew of this attack for years and they've just been working on it yeah i think they this is all speculation because i don't know if it's ever really explained i think they are at war with the dredge and they realize that they're starting to lose and so they create this backup plan um, and they've started evacuating the planet too once they realize that they're they've come yeah we're also this sets takes place in pierce colorado Weird. <laughs> I yeah, just thought no, it was like, weird. Somebody in the writer's room definitely for sure grew up in Pierce, Colorado. For sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to set this here. Yeah. This is going to be for me. This is, this is a little wink to the folks back home. <laughs> so he gets separated from his uh, his dad, who's uh, created, is the creator of this Titan project and whatnot. Um, and he gets stuck with Tone Loke. Dude, it's Tone Loke. Dude, Tone Loke is in this movie. Yeah, he voices... Tech, who's like an alien friend who pretty much raises Kale um, while his dad, Sam, is away. Yeah, is off to go either complete the Titan project or build the Titan. Yep. Um, But of course, you don't know that. All Kale knows is that he's being rushed off of his planet, separated from his father, and then Earth blows up. Dude, this was one of those trailer shots I remember as a kid with that shot of the, you know, Earth exploding and the rubble, like, destroying some of the spaceship. Dude, still a pretty cool shot. And what I also remember about the trailer for this movie is, can you take me higher? That's true, though. (laughs) And you know what? We get a whole lot more 2000s early alternative rock. This is, like, this weird grunge crazy alt rock soundtrack we got a little lit dude. yeah a little lit dude <laughs> meanwhile you have tone loke voicing it <laughs> an alien an alien <laughs> but you can't put tone loke in the soundtrack anyway we're uh then we jump 15 years into the future and kale now is like a he works at a salvage yard or something in an asteroid belt the weird part blue of this collar. movie yeah he's a blue collar guy yeah and uh so humans at this point are now like second class citizens because there's so few of them I was gonna that say, wind on the up verge, getting off the Europe. verge of a st- extinction. Yeah, um, it's not a, looking good. Yeah, they have a few little colonies around, um, and and that's the other thing is there's no 
there's no real sense of place or distance between all this stuff. Like, and again, I don't need like miles between these things, but like in Star Wars or, or most of these space epics, you they're like, oh, we got to travel, you know, these many light years. We got to do this to get to here. But there's never, it's literally just like, it will just flash to another place and it will just have this weird, like, uh, title, subtitle telling you where you are with the most ridiculous sounding names. Um, it's just not really a sense of, uh, atmosphere or, or unique, like, original space. You know I, what I mean? And, you know, I think that's a good point, and it sort of sets, uh, the tone for this entire movie where it doesn't feel like, a typical sci-fi movie it feels like sort of an action adventure set in space not sci-fi true true yeah it's not a very sci-fi type it, do- movie. it definitely doesn't adhere to a lot of the typical sci-fi tropes that you would get in say star wars or the new star trek movies sure you know, but or- at the same time what's weird is it also feels very cobbled together from like plot points of other yeah. movies that you've seen or recognized before so Kayla's tracked down by Corso, uh, voiced by Bill Pullman, dude. President Pullman, dude. Thank God Bill Pullman's in, like, every Alien movie we've done so far. <laughs> like, honestly. Uh, but- oh, and by the way, just before we continue, um, Kale absolutely goes into our list of terrible male protagonists. Of course tournament. he does. Yeah, of course he, he does. absolutely makes it. I mean, it. he's no Chris O'Donnell. But no, he's, he's no Chris O'Donnell or Peter from Jumanji <laughs> or Alan from... Was that terrible? Small soldiers. Small soldiers. Alan Abernathy, dude. Alan Abernathy. I mean, like, guys, we are collecting. I we're gonna do a spinoff episode where we discuss our, our least favorite male protagonist. I can't freaking wait. Dude. <laughs> can't wait. So they're at this like salvage station. He's eating at this cafeteria. This disgusting alien seaweed live food. I don't know, whatever. But there's we're introduced to all these weird aliens that are. They're like hodgepodges of animals. They're not aliens in the t- typical traditional sense of like what you'd expect any alien to look like. Like there's one, the first guy I think we see is like a grasshopper type alien guy who's shelling out food at the cafeteria. It's just really weird. All of the aliens, they just look like mi- like two animals from Earth mixed up. And it's really, stu- it's just weird. Yeah, it's like they really didn't give like a ton of thought to it. And I, I hate to keep going back to... Um, old points that we've made, but a lot of these aliens look like Anastasia. Yeah. Like the, yep. the demons in Anastasia and the ghosts, you know, you can tell there's definitely similarities, but at the same time, like part of it also just feels like maybe they were just reusing stuff. Maybe. Cause there's aliens. like, there's like rat dogs and there's, there's a turtle like snail wolves. <laughs> yeah. Like a turtle, um, this bat oh, kangaroo, God. bat kangaroo, bat yeah. kangaroo thing. Anyway. So, uh, Corso, Bill Pullman was a friend of his dad's, uh, Kale's dad, and he winds up showing him this ring that Kale has had on. And apparently, this little thing here is uh, the MacGuffin of this movie because it yeah. is a genetically. It's, what does he say? It's genetically encrypted. It's a map yeah. um, to the Titan, which is this giant spacecraft that essentially can create a planet. Right? Yeah. So it's got everything you would need. It's got the DNA of all these different animals it's got i guess like the right amount of i it, it, don't get caught up on the science of this oh, God, just no. know that it creates a new planet it's essentially an ark it's noah's ark yeah um it creates a new planet now here this is the rest of the movie these are these scenes so right after this little cafeteria scene 
the dredge come. Yep. This is how it just keeps playing out the same exact way where we'll get to a new location and then the dredge come and they have to leave this location to get to another location and then the dredge come and that's the rest of this goddamn movie. Yeah. And it's just it's them basically stumbling from plot point to plot point too. It's oh well we don't know how to read the map. Well we have to go to someone who reads the map. Oh, they're pointing this way, but we don't know like where the planet is. Oh yep. well we gotta find someone who knows where the planet I mean, it is literally just like that. It's very like just step by step, plot after plot. It's drawn out yeah. lazy. It's, it's an excuse to just go to different planets and, and have the animators have some fun with just some strange looking creatures. But Dredge come in, they start shooting the shit up. Uh, they blow that little grasshopper cockroach guy away. And it, what's really funny is he turns into green goo and he's like, bullseye! As his teeth, like, or his jaw is like hanging oh, yeah. off. <laughs> it's really weird That's and disturbing right. for a kid's film. Um, but yeah, Kale winds up getting shot. They escape, of course. And then we're brought onto this other ship. Uh, Drew Barrymore and we're introduced to. What is her name? Akima? Akima. Akima. And she got this hot, sexy purple bangs going on, dude. Yeah, it's... It's I all mean, the rage back in the 2000s. I mean, it really fits into this whole, like, alt-rock theme that we've set in this movie. Because this, this is a rocker chick. She's got the purple hair. Yep. Like, she's got this I don't care attitude. Yep. Like, and she's working with uh, Bill Pullman Corso there. Uh, they've got their own ship and... They're fixing up Kale, making sure his you know wounds not infected. We get a little animated ass, dude. Some male buns. Oh yeah, we get a little male Matt Damon buns. Yep. And now we now we get introduced to even more of these goddamn characters. So John Leguizamo is, I think, a goon who's like this weird amphibian like. He's that turtle thing we were talking about earlier. He's Corso's chief like scientist guy. Nathan Lane comes up. I think his name's oh, that's right. Preed. Um, and he's like a fruit bat, like from Fern Gully, which I yeah. think is uh, Don Bluth also had a hand in. Yeah. Um, and he's Corso's first mate. And then there's also Janine Garofalo as Stiff. I think, again, these names are so stupid. If um, it feels like we're making this sound like a chore, it's because it kind of is. I'm so like, sorry. It doesn't... I'm so sorry. Well, it's just like these, you know, who cares about these characters? No, you don't. And she's a munitions officer. They mean nothing. They have no, like, camaraderie. It's just their point. And John Leguizamo, who, dude, his voice is grating in this movie. Oh, that character so is bad. awful. Yeah, it's so bad. And we were just laughing at it the whole time. Not because he's supposed to be the comedy relief in this too isn't he i guess dude uh, it's and bad, we're just and we, the whole time we're shit, like dude. yeah we're like this sucks like he's, he's annoying worst. so the next place they go i think is called planet Sesherim. Huh. why are you doing this, dude I'm, I'm committing i'm committing i wrote all, right. all this shit down while it was going i have to spew it out <laughs> all right. so it's inhabited by like we were talking about earlier these like bat vulture people yeah um and it's covered in these gaseous like mine balls i think they're called hydrogen trees and the entire planet is like covered in red water yeah again kind of a cool looking planet like well, visually honestly, it's striking it looks like hell yeah it, it looks yeah and that's not like a <laughs> no, that's like not a, a critique not against a, the animation. That's not yeah. a dig. It's it a looks game. like yeah. hell. Yeah. Um, and it's it's actually it is very cool. It's kind of cool. And so you think these bad people are like bad people eventually, or like, uh, but they don't talk or anything, and they're still searching for what are they even looking for at this point, dude? So uh, at this point in the movie, they don't know how to read the map that's on okay, Kale's yes, hand because right. he yep. puts on the ring. And it's this map that shows up that will apparently lead them to the Titan, but they don't know how to read it. And somehow, I don't know why, but these bat people who apparently can't talk um, know how to read the map. Yeah, and I guess they want to help him out for, again, whatever reason. But guess what, guys? Dredge is back. And can we just 
touch on this for something, and I feel okay veering away because you can guess what happens. They get away from the dredge. Um, but <laughs> do they ever, ever explain what the dredge want with humanity? That's the thing. We could not figure out why they care so much. If they, if the entire planet's blown up, like I get it, like if they're at a war with this species, they blow up the entire planet. You know, humans were running, were close to extinction. Why do they care so much about continuing this, like search across planets to find this goddamn ring to get this Titan that they don't even know would? It just seems like so out of their way. Yeah, no, it really does. It's like who and. How do they know about the Titan? Like, uh, who cares? So there's this chase scene through these gaseous balls. They're blowing up ships and shit. And whenever one of these dredge ships blows up, it reminded me of asteroids because oh, yeah. they don't blow up with, like, traditional debris or anything. It's like they just blow up into lines. Yeah, like straight this lines. little, like, blue line Yeah, thing. it's really weird. Um, but then the fucking eagles from Lord of the Rings come in and save everybody. <laughs> <laughs> pull, them, pull them up, and they wind up getting uh, sucked into the, the ship. Oh, dude, no. The fucking bat guy uh, sacrifices himself for Akima, you remember oh, that yeah, dude? He, like throws dude. her from her shoulders and then just smashes right into one of these hydrogen yeah, bombs. Yeah, I mean, cool. the bad guys are the bad guys are the best part of this movie. The best part of this movie, I think. Honestly, this could be the most visually striking scene. There's one later yeah. on with like an ice field that's kind of cool, but probably this is the best action scene, I guess, in the movie. You can feel like they actually like a lot of this movie. They didn't put a ton of work into this one. Feels like they actually took the time to be like, let's you know, let's create this unique place. Let's create these unique characters. Um, that you're going to care about a little bit because honestly, in like the five seconds that you know these bat people, you care more about the bat people than you do <laughs> anybody on that crew. So Akima and Kale are sucked up into the old dread ship and uh, they extract the map from his hand and he's in prison. He's in this like weird energy prison that somehow he breaks out of with just his two fingers. First, like if you if he touches this and they once his fingers connect, uh, somehow a portal opens up and he's freed himself. Seems like I, the I don't get the easiest <laughs> really, prison yeah. to break out. They of. need guards for for like this alien race that's been so intent on getting this guy. They're pretty lax about just letting him chill in a prison cell. Yeah, that, un, unwatched. That by apparently, anybody. all you could all you have to do is just put your fingers through it and like separate it. Yeah, not only that is bullshit, but then the next scene he masters this dread ship. First time he's ever seen one on the inside, and he's just immediately flies it he's great at it we don't even know if he's like a pilot no he's i thought he was like a goddamn salvage yard worker minor, or something yeah, or yeah. something like it's weird um so he winds up getting back to the old the other ship uh Kima welcomes him uh then there's this weird like you can obviously tell that they're gonna be uh, a love interest because it's a guy and a girl and they're main characters right. but uh, and it's matt comes damon out of nowhere. it's matt damon and drew barrymore of course dude drew barrymore by the way is grading as well on this she's it's a uh, bad she, voice performance she mails this in it oh, yeah. is not good i mean matt damon isn't really that good either i don't think bill pullman got off his couch in his home he probably just had like a tape recorder that he did this and shipped it in we have to just like accept that like nobody cared about this movie no and no it's one shocking cared. because with this budget with this like and i was talking to or also about this how many animated space films can you think of from this time period like this this seemed like when i saw the trailer like something new and exciting yeah something unique you can't when you're thinking about just the effort that should have been put into this movie what the hell went wrong you yeah. know yep so anyway um so kale's map on his uh, hand has now changed to reveal uh the titan's location final location rather 
so then we get this scene where they're on their way there and there's these like floating ghost stingrays that are kind of flying all around their ship. Um, again, the animation's kind of cool, but it, these these animation scenes, it'll just be a, an alt rock song underneath for a solid two and a half minutes of just no dialogue, just exterior shots of this ship just flying. And it's like, yeah, that's cool, but come on. <laughs> like, get on it's with it. It's my turn to fly. <laughs> Do you remember what the runtime of this movie was? Yeah, it was 95 minutes long. It felt like two and a half hours long. Really long. Really long. Really, really long. So we might as well just skip through half of this shit. But anyway, they wind up getting to this like ice minefield um, and having this weird evade. uh, They're trying to evade the dredge, um, which is actually a decent scene because there's some tension. There's actually like things they have to do or things they have to accomplish. Visually, it's very cool because uh, there's a lot of reflection going on and like all these blue colors are mixing together to make a very different sort of looking scene than than what you've seen before. It's it's not a bad scene visually, but it it, it ultimately serves no purpose other than just like another action sequence to fill time. Yup. We do discover, though, that Corso... Corso's working for the other side. Corso's a bad guy. He's uh he's he's Fredo. Yeah. He's Fredo. Yeah. Um broke my heart, Fredo. <laughs> so he's behind it all, dude. Before this though, I do want to get into New Bangkok, which is this like drift colony with with where the last remaining humans kind of are living. And uh there's this whole scene after Akima gets shot. Uh, about this fucking soccer kid. Like, these two characters mean nothing, but they're given more screen time than I think half of these side... They're given more than Tone Loke, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, <laughs> way more than Tone Loke, which is infuriating. <laughs> shame, absolute shame. Um, but anyway, Kimi gets shot. They're separated at this point from uh, Corso and... Uh, what's his, his right name? Right-hand man, Nathan Lane, he, anyway, because he's also in on it, too. Yeah. Those guys are bad. However, Janine Garofalo and John Leguizamo's characters are not. Yeah, they the, don't know the this rest is of the crew is not in on it. Just the captain and first mate. Yeah, which I don't know how long this crew's been together, but how do you not know the intention of your crew? Like, I don't know. It's weird, but and and also I. Maybe they explained it, and I just don't remember. What is the reasoning behind the betrayal? I get it from Preed's character's perspective because he's not human. And he says that he's going to get a bunch of money or whatever. Right. Why does Corso want to do this? Yeah, why does Corso care? I don't know. It's weird. It's Well, it kind of reminded me of, like, the uh, power dynamics among, like, the Planet of the Apes movies when you're, like, fighting against your own species. Yeah. But it's not deep enough or even, like, it, it doesn't even mention, like, there's no hint of why he's doing this. I think that could be a cool character, like... Imagine yourself, you know, like your your race is extinct or close to extinction. You have the power to either rebuild or kill them all. You'd be one of the last humans. It's a cool, like, you could, character you, plot you, point. But, like, you cut it. Yeah, especially because you cut a deal with the species that wiped out your planet and most of your species. Well, like, whatever he was offered must have been incredible, but you never find out. No. Maybe it's just, like, a handy and a couple magazines yeah, or something. a little handy, Jay. Um, so they, so this is ridiculous. We, we get this like 30 second montage of them rebuilding an entire ship. Just them two. It's pretty much like them two and these, the, uh, and the little soccer ball, yeah, kids. And the soccer ball kids. Um, but yeah, they rebuild the Phoenix or whatnot to set off to try to find the Titans, the final location or whatever. They get it done. That's where we get the lit. We get a little lit, dude. Uh, yep. I'm in over my head. Oh my head. You know, we talk about like that this really is it's kind of like this weird adult alt rock sort of setting 
but it, it is tough to just like explain how poorly some of this music fits in with this movie sometimes <laughs> you know yeah it really does it's so strange and like i just picture like a twin because this is for like an 11 and 12 year old and that's it that's the only those are the only people i can see enjoying anything about this movie right. really like 11 and 12 year old boys and that's it <laughs> so kale and akima navigate through the ice uh, fields and i think this one what I, I wrote this one down too dude and it's another stupid name but i gotta say it it's the ice rings of tigrin <laughs> thanks dude <laughs> and they make it to the titan dude and, and i think they're there with the the villains at the same time or whatever who gives a shit they all end up at the titan and you find out there's a double cross of a double cross oh because my God. yeah because uh preed turns out he wants I guess all the money for himself or whatever, or the dredge has offered him a counter proposal or something. Yeah. The dredge upped the offer for him. And this one again, makes sense because he's not human. He really doesn't have a horse in the race. Why should he care? Still don't understand. Corso uh, gets what he deserves. Uh, gets shot. No, well, no, so, no, 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 no. He no. breaks his fucking neck, dude. Corso breaks Preed's neck because oh, then he points right. the gun on him, and there's this whole stupid scuffle. People are punching and beating each other up. He breaks this guy's neck. It's the most violent scene in this. Entire Comes out of nowhere, movie. and like I think they removed the crack sound because I thought I'd always rem- remembered him. There's zero sound when his neck breaks. Like right. it's just like very, you could tell from the animation and whatnot, his neck goes limp and he falls down the stairs. But like, there's, it, I wonder if they like the studio made them take it out. Cause it was just like, we cannot. Yeah. That's, <laughs> show I mean, that's this. just over the top. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he snaps his neck. Um, and then, their plan is to reroute the energy from the dredge ship to restart the Titan because apparently they can't, it doesn't have enough energy or whatever to fucking get going. Basically a bump in the road. Like, that's all you need to know. There's a bump in the road. But it's a bump in the road that the writers didn't need to create because they create this problem that they solve immediately with this outlandish, like, it doesn't make any, like, they could have just, however the Titan is supposed to start, it should have just gone that way yeah. because... Well, and it's it's resolved by this, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi-esque hologram of his father telling him, like, how right. to start the Titan. Yeah. And so they're they're doing this, and meanwhile, the Dredge have appeared as they are wont to do (laughs) (laughs) yeah of course um and because i guess they're yeah they're beings of pure energy they think that if the titan absorbs it somehow that it will just restart i again i don't understand jump starting jump starting planet earth essentially (laughs) pretty much is what they're trying to do so now at this point corso after like almost falling to his death, Kale saves him. Now he's on Team Human again. Again, people's like intentions are just motivations, whatever. Their character motivations just drop. Yeah, don't know why he suddenly decided that he's going to fight for the humans again, but he did. But anyway, he winds up sacrificing him, uh, himself to help Kale complete the repairs. Titan absorbs the dredge, mothership, you know, along with everything else, and uh, blows up, right? Like, doesn't the, the dredge yeah, the mothership dredge, blows up? the dredge up? mothership blows up. You assume that the dredge are... Like a hive mind and all of them, yeah, really, like, I guess. They're all dead now. They'll, they won't be bothering the new planet anymore, and let's Don't. just... Oh. Nope, 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 nope. Here we go. So, uh, this, is, this is the last scene of the movie. Kale and Akima are standing on the new Earth. And, you know, it's, they're like, wow, we did it. It's New Earth. It's beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And she goes to Kale and she's like, so what are you going to name it? And he goes, I think I'll call it Bob. 
And I think that's when the filmmakers were probably sitting in the screening of this, like looking around to see how many laughs they yeah. were getting. Like, and, but, like, but it was completely and, silent. Like, and were, but there oh. was like there might have been like <clears> one <throat> like middle aged man in the back who was <laughs> who was like who was like <laughs> Bob. My uncle's name's Bob. That's, ridiculous that's name silly. for a planet. And Drew Barrymore says as much. She's like, you can't name a planet Bob. And then he's like, I'll do it. I won't. And then they make out. Yeah. And then, uh, then uh, sure as shit enough, it cuts to a wide shot of the planet. And it's all the colonists are New coming Earth, in. Planet Bob underneath. And I thought for a second, maybe his dad's name Bob. Maybe they're like, just it's like a tribute to his father for, you know, saving the species. It's not. His dad's name Sam. Makes yep. zero sense. Also, this planet has an atmosphere already because it's raining. Yep. Holy it's shit, been... dude. Trying to unpack the logic of this movie is mind Oh, you'll, you'll kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> There's no point in doing it at all. And uh, so Planet Bob is seen and all the colonists are coming in because the Earth is new. And uh, Fade to Black take awesome awesome grunge music yep and uh that is titan after earth <sighs> dude i am drained i'm just drained i this was this I, I i'm not gonna lie this was an exhausting one to go through it was it felt like i've never felt 95 minutes each of them tick by uh it was such a disappointment man i i want because i wanted to like this movie again because i, I remember too. enjoying it as a kid not as much as i wanted to but still I just like I like sci-fi. I'm a sucker for sci-fi, and I like uh, I like I like this this style and era of animation. I like Don Bluth. I like a lot of the voice actors. This should have been a home run, and it sucked. So I, it's interesting what you said earlier. This is actually something I didn't know that this was supposed to be live action, and this was supposed to be part one of a series. Mm-hmm. And I could see where maybe if you dev- you you put those resources into going forward with that plan. I don't know about a live action that might have been. Well, it almost reminds me of like a Jupiter ascending or a, what's the yeah. new Valerian, the city of a oh, thousand yeah, planets, yeah, 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 yeah. just like a batshit crazy sci-fi. Yeah, opera just all over movie. the place. Um, I think if you put more effort into this movie in terms of world building and in terms of, I mean, plot in general, plot in general and characters, like I don't give a shit about literally anyone. Anyone could die and it wouldn't let matter. The, let like, the I human, them all. honestly, even let the humans die. Yeah. Let them all die. Yeah. I don't care. I really don't, and they don't give you a reason to care because no one is like overly likable in this movie. The most likable character is Tone Loke. <laughs> yeah, he's in and out of this movie, and he's—I mean, he—he's in the first two minutes of this movie. A disgusting underutilization of Tone Loke. <laughs> Wild thing. <laughs> Holy shit! But what's what is interesting about this movie? Because we're, in '90s, 2000s, you got a lot of firsts, a lot of movies that are breaking ground with uh, digital and and how they're created. What's cool about this movie is this was the first movie ever to be transmitted in digital form from the studio across the interwebs to the digital projector at the theater. Never once touched film. This, pretty cool. This is um, one of the things about this movie, even when we look back on it now, that this movie was all expectations. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody expected this movie to be good. It was going to be historical for the net, for the studio. Just all these things that it could have been. And, it, it again, it's just hard to point, pinpoint what exactly went wrong. Yeah, man. And it's like, I look at Don Bluth's other films, and, and maybe I'll have to rewatch a few of them, because maybe they're all this hollow, but I remember... Even a movie like Land Before the Time, which I believe is like 68 minutes long, like yeah. I care about those characters. 
Oh yeah. I don't want them to die. And they're dinosaurs. Yeah, no. But- and the animations should have be should be worse, but I think it's probably on par with this. I like again, I like a lot of what this movie is trying to do. This combination of 3D and 2D animation, it works in some scenes, but really that's all that works here. It's just like there's a few couple of sequences that are uh, like I said the one on the like the hydrogen tree planet, yeah. like that's kind of cool and like but man, it's really just one location, wait for the dredge, they're coming, here we go, let's go to the next place, oh, the dredge is here again, let's try to find this planet, and it's, it's it just, just exhausting. It falls short on almost every level, and it just could have been so much more, and I think what they were probably banking on was the fact that it was unique enough, the animation, um, I, Bluth had his own sort of reputation, um, just all these things that they were probably banking on, like, it can't miss, mm-hmm. and they were wrong, it, you know, People saw it as a bad movie, saw it for what it was, and it's disappointing because I feel like it just could have been, I th- it could have been great. Well, dude, with a 6.6, though, on IMDb, that's shockingly high. I mean, I think the, what did you say, the 51? It's got a 51 on Rotten Tomatoes. That's also crazy That's pretty high, high but too. But 6.6, like, I feel like this movie might have, like, a little cult following that over the years has wind up amassing, and, and I can understand why, because, like we said, there's not a lot of animated space flicks out there, and for an 11 or 12-year-old kid... Maybe if I watched this again, you know, at 11 or 12, I'd probably like it again. Well, and so uh, I said this to you before we watched the movie. I this is I thought this was going to be one of the first movies that my mis- my nostalgia for the movie would carry me through it. And it, it didn't, um, which is disappointing because I used to be part of that cult following of like, no, Titan A.E. is great. Yeah, yeah. But you watch it and it's, I mean... You can't get around it. It's not. It's not a good movie. It really isn't, sadly. All right, so let's go ahead and do the ratings then. What uh, 51 on Rotten Tomatoes, what, what are you thinking? Damn, dude. 51. Honestly, I think I'm going to go at 25. Wow, at 25. At 25, dude. I give to 25 for the for a few moments of the animation that stood out. And, um, you know, I'm a sucker for Creed in a trailer. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I will... I'm I'm going to stay in that ballpark. I think I give it a 30. Okay. Um just some of the animation, there are it has its moments. Yep. As every movie that we've done so far does. Yeah. It has its moments and some of them there are moments in this movie where you go, "Wow, this is pretty cool. Why isn't the other 60 some odd minutes like this dude the shot of the fucking earth blowing up with it blowing up all the spaceships and shit Insane. still really cool the, still really cool the planet with the gas bubbles yep. awesome the ice scene useless but cool i can't get it to above a 25 though and it's because i mean i gave batman forever our last episode 28 and i think that's because i could watch i think every single one of the movies we've done so far with a group of friends and have a fun time mm-hmm. titan e i feel like it was we, a slog. We watched with we friends. And it wasn't we like a laugh, fun. chill. Yeah, it wasn't like a fun night. It was like a oh, God. Like, I got to get through this fucking movie to watch something good afterwards. This is something. this is I think the first time in this podcast where what are we on seven episodes now? I think this is the first time in this podcast where the movie felt like a chore. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it and it sucks. Yep. I so yeah. I, I not a recommend. Um, no. And it's a sad. It was a sad rewatch. Again, a lot of these movies are are hurting my feelings. Not enough tone look. Anyway, <laughs> every movie doesn't have enough tone look. All right, let's let's wrap this up. So uh, Brandon refused to tell me. Uh, it, so we we alternate sometimes when we pick movies. Um, I pick Titan E. Brandon's got the choice of the next movie, and he has not told me what it is yet. So I'm waiting for yeah, the reveal. I, so I didn't want to tell you because 
we've been skirting around this film. I think oh, every single time geez. we go to watch a movie, it's in a pile. <laughs> and we're going to stick with Nathan Lane. I was going to say, oh, my God. And I've, I I know exactly what it is now. I've been avoiding this one. You, you bring it up every time every we talk about time. what to do. And every time I'm like, no, let's do something. All right. I'm hoping that I'm praying this movie holds up. Because it, won't. It, was it, a, won't. it was a fucking love of mine when I was a kid. We're going Mouse Hunt. Oh, my God. What year did Mouse Hunt come out? I saw I that one in the theaters. I think it's 1997. It's actually directed by Gore Verbinski, who went on to do The Ring and Pirates of the Caribbean, and most recently A Cure for Wellness. He's done every genre. I am very curious to see how this movie, because I think I saw it once in the theaters, and that's it. That's the last time oh, I saw this man. movie. No, I watched this a lot on VHS because it is a dark, violent family film that I enjoyed. I remember it was kind of like a sad movie. <laughs> yeah dude i also love the music but that's for next week uh thank you for everyone for what for listening for subscribing please tell your friends like us on facebook uh nostalgia be damned we are hosted on podbean so go ahead and subscribe to the show on podbean.com uh and of course leave your comments on what you would like brandon and i to start tackling um, we're we're always interested to see what we've gotten some really good suggestions so far. We too, have, so yeah, I'm and they're definitely for sure going to get into those. Yeah, at a later date, absolutely. And uh, so I I should be able to make the next few episodes. I got to tell you though, I'm getting a little busy because as I mentioned last week, I will be representing us in our lawsuit against the network. However, I am applying to Harvard Law School <laughs> to try and defend us better in this upcoming lawsuit now week you are allowed to represent yourself without a degree of any kind Mm -hmm. but you were choosing to go the route of spending an extraordinary amount of money oh this is costing me a fortune i will be in debt for the rest of my life but i'm doing it for this podcast so please uh tell your friends because we need sponsors we've started a gofundme page for zach's college tuition um hashtag zach goes to harvard hashtag zach goes to harvard um and also, just another hashtag, you could start uh, Destroy the Network. Yeah, hashtag Crimson Tide Pride. Crimson Pride, yeah, no, that's a different <laughs> That's a different college. We don't, us Harvard guys don't like it. You're not in Harvard yet, don't do this. I already see the airs you're going to be putting on and how I'm, oh, shit. Dude, I'm so excited. Go, go to college. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that does it for us. We're getting ridiculous again. <laughs> we always do. It always goes off the rails towards the end. I'm okay with it. That's the good stuff. Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in next week for Mouse Hunt. Mouse Hunt. And uh, just remember, everybody, can you take me higher? Go Crimson. <laughs>